Well, after coming out of your track coma over the past couple weeks with the Canadian Trials and the American Trials, we're not done yet. You know, you've got to love the summer track season, especially with the big show just around the corner. On this week's show, I sit down and chat with Mike Tate. You saw him just last week at the Trials with that huge kick in the 5,000. He's down at NACAC's under 23 right now. Also, we catch up with some beer miling buds, Nick McFalls and Corey Gallagher, to chat about the World Beer Mile Classic. Don't go anywhere. This is the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. Mike Tate is a runner that you should be looking out for. He's currently training at the hollowed ground of Southern Utah U, and after finishing off the Nationals 5000 in a dead sprint with Luke Boucher for a final placing of third just last weekend, you know big things are just around the corner for him. We reached him and, well, we'll let him tell you. Okay, so to start, perhaps we should talk about where you are and what you're doing there. Um, right now, just kind of hanging out, getting ready for my race tomorrow. We're in El Salvador for the NACAC U23 Championships. Um, yeah, just trying to stay hydrated, I guess. Okay, so, you know, you're you're in the 1500. What goals do you have for the race? You know, how are you hoping to place? And, you know, what's your competition looking like? Uh, t- tell me about that. Um, so the competition, it's me and the two Americans, Henry Wynn and Tommy Awad. And then there's one other athlete that I saw. He's 344 guy. Um, and I feel like it should be us four up at the front, um, kind of battling for those three medals. And my goal is just to kind of put my nose in it and see what I can do and hopefully medal it and maybe maybe get a win. For sure, for sure. You know, it was just last week that I saw you in the men's 5,000 at the uh, Canadian Olympic trials, uh, which turned out to be an all-out battle uh, to the end uh, for second with you and Luke Boucher. Uh, talk to me about your strategy in that race and, and kind of how it all went down, you know, where people dropped and, and, you know, how are you feeling in that race? Um, so I kind of just wanted to be near the front for the whole race just yeah, yeah. to make sure it wasn't, like, getting caught up on anybody if it was too slow or anything. But um, So I was pretty much in second the whole way. Um, we were clipping off around 67s, 68s right around the start. So around 14 flat to 14.10 pace, which was around my PB, so it was good enough to, like, stretch the stretch the pack out that there was no bumping or anything, and then with just over 2K to go, I think, um, Kevin Tree went to the front, and I kind of just went right behind him just to make sure I didn't get kind of, like, popped out the back of the pack, and then with a mile to go, I just felt, I felt pretty good and wanted, decided I wanted to control the race, so I went to the front and just really wanted to be ready when the move was made because I was feeling pretty good. And my legs didn't feel too, too bad that I thought with whatever move came, I'd be able to respond. So I just wanted to be in position to do that. And kind of just, yeah, went from there. When Mo went to the front with 800 to go, um, I wasn't really sure if I was going to be able to go with it right away. And then I saw Luke just kind of hitch on the back of him. So I decided to try and just go with it and see what happened. And then, yeah, the last lap, it was uh, Mo got a gap on us with about 300 to go. He made another hard move and... I wasn't able to respond, and Luke went by me on the backstretch, and Peter was right behind us, and um, coming off the corner, I just tried to pump my arms, get by Luke, but he had a strong kick and helped me off. 
I, I, I don't know what it felt like on the track, but uh, let me tell you, definitely, definitely a highlight of the meet that I was watching for sure. It was just kind of, he was giving a little more and then you were giving a little, a little more. It, I think it was probably, probably racing at some of its finest. You know, you've had a lot of success in the, in the 1500 mile, but I think that uh, you really have great chops for the 5000 as well. You know, what event do you see your future in? I think my future for sure is in the 5K, um, and I think Canadians kind of showed that as well. Uh, I definitely still have to work on my strength more for the 5K because if, if it was faster, I, I feel like um, Luke would have been way further ahead of me, and I feel like Peter probably would have beaten me as well, and a few other guys in the pack um, would have been there uh, potentially ahead of me. I'm not really sure. So I feel like i got to work on that endurance side, but I feel like my closing speed and... Uh, just in the future, I think my 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 event will be the 5K for sure, and that's what my coach and I have been doing this past year at SU has kind of been leaning more towards the 5K and getting ready for that transition. Uh, you mentioned SUU, uh, a school that, as many of our listeners know, was the place that fellow Canadian Cam Levins ran himself to uh, his national titles. Was that part of your decision to go there? And you know, a couple years in, what what do you think of the place? Yeah, Cam definitely played in into um, part of the reason why I decided to go to SUU. Um, I also looked at like other athletes that had gone there, um, and really, probably about 95% of the athletes at Coach Toolkits um, leave the school faster than when they went in. So I just knew I wanted to get better when I went to school. I just didn't want to stay the same, and I knew SUU would help me get faster. Also, like the location is, is perfect. We, we live and sleep at 6,000 feet. We can get to 10,000 feet in about 25 minutes and we can get down to 2,000 feet in about an hour and 10 degrees warmer. So it's really is a perfect location, and that's, yeah, why I chose to go there. I'm kind of interested, uh, you know, with legends of Cam's mileage back then. You know, what's the craziest uh, workout your coach has had you do so far, and, you know, what does your mileage look like right now? Um, right now the mileage isn't too high just because I'm racing and stuff and raced last week, and three races last week and another race this week and a lot of travel so I've been trying to just kind of to recover as much as possible but um, I worked up to my mileage over the past three years like just adding a little bit every year and I think my biggest week was around 120 miles so decently high but nothing like crazy insane like you hear that Cam did <laughs> um, <laughs> and workouts wise we don't really do any like super insane workouts like talking to other athletes Nothing we do is like extraordinary. I guess it's all pretty, I guess similar to what a lot of athlete, other athletes do. Um, I can't really think of one workout in particular that's really like a killer. So you know you're from Anaganish, uh, also hometown of Eric Gillis, and while that's well that's known in the Canadian running community, it seems that Ontario and BC really get all the credit for producing the the best and brightest in in our sport. Uh, you know, tell me about the Maritimes and and what role did it really play in in developing you? Yeah, uh, Eric's definitely played a big part as well. Um, just growing up, hearing his name, and just seeing that somebody from Anaganish could could make it to the Olympics and and could become a Canadian like contender, I guess, every single weekend and just be one of the top runners in Canada. So talking to Eric as well, like just growing up and before picking schools and stuff, he was really helpful talking to me about, like, I was looking at St. Evex and um, just like even in grade 11, just 
keep my options open. He talked to me about like what they do at Guelph as well, just because that's where he trains now. Um, and yeah, Eric, I guess, has just showed me like it is possible for someone from Antigonish to make it on the big stage. So what's what's the track scene like there? You know, obviously there must be a couple clubs. I mean, if they've produced a couple of runners like yourself and Eric so far. Um, the club scene in Antigonish is pretty, uh, um, pretty individualized. There's uh, not a whole lot of guys that, um, like mainly it's just I guess the high school kids that continue on after after the high school season's over. That's really what our, the club scene is. Basically, just a continuation of the high school team. And um, just with me in high school, I was working with my coach Chris McKinnon. It was really just um, me, him, and a few other of my high school teammates. And he would just kind of—I was really the only one doing a lot of racing in the summer. So he would, uh, I guess, make the workouts and for more directed towards my season. You know, what's uh, I, I imagine with fall coming up and cross country and that sort of stuff, what's the rest of your summer looking like? Is is this kind of the end of the season? Yeah, this will be the end of my track season and then just kind of shutting it down and then getting ready for cross country. For sure, for sure. Uh, you know, kind of leading into that, gearing up for a huge senior year that you're heading into, what goals have you set for yourself over, you know, cross, indoors, outdoors? What is the next year looking like for you? Um, I'm actually going to do five years at SUU, so I have two more years. Um, but this next year, again, it's just going to try and build on that mileage a little bit more um, and just trying to get stronger, like I said, for that 5K to make that transition easier from the 1500. Um, and as far as cross-country goes, hopefully do as well as possible at the Canadian Nationals in November. All right. Well, he's Mike Tate, and he's at NACAX under 23 right now. Uh, I wish you all the best of luck at that and uh, going into your cross season as well. Uh, yeah, best of luck, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. You're listening to the Terminal Mile at the Terminal Mile on Twitter. The World Beer Mile Classic in just its second year has already established itself as one of the races to be at if you are one of the elites in that event. With this edition happening across the Atlantic in London, England, July 31st, I caught up with the organizer, Nick McFalls, and of course, the legendary Corey Whiphoobly Gallagher. All right, so Nick, it seems that there is a bit of a circuit forming for top beer milers in the world, you know, ranking wise with, you know, a year under your belt. Where does the World Beer Mile Classic fit in? Um... Well, right now we're going to be in London on July 31st, and we're real excited. Uh, we're going to be on a track for the first time uh, at Saracens Alliance Park. It's a rugby stadium that was part of the 2012 Olympic warm-up track for the for the London game. So uh, we feel it's like it's a little bit of a coming of age for us to be on a track. For sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, I was just going to address that, though. It seems that last year that, you know, your track, it was on, I don't know, like a road pathway sort of thing. It played a bit of a role in the finishing times of the athletes. What can you tell me about this year's track? You know, is it record ready? Oh, it, it, yeah, it's it's a fast track. It, it's it's record ready. Um, and, you know, we thought we, may, you know, may have seen something close to a world record time. What we didn't really account for was how windy, you know, it can be out at Treasure Island. And I think the wind played a, a factor and some of the terrain did. So I think, you know, Lewis was definitely uh, record ready uh, when he stepped out there last year, but it, it just wasn't going to happen. So this year, just being on a track, uh, you know, the track record's 451. Uh, we have guys, uh, you know, obviously 
uh, Lewis has run that fast, and now we have a new American uh, named Garrett Collin who's, who ran 4.54, and I was uh, lapped in that race, so I've, I've seen him firsthand. I've seen him improve in the last year from a, a 5.50 beer miler to where he is now. So, uh, and you have Phil uh, Paramigas just uh, you know, ran 4.55 as well. So I think the, I think the guys are ready, and uh, I think we're going to see some fast times. Well, don't forget about Phil. He ran 4.55 the other week. I did not forget about Phil. He is on, uh, you know, I think uh, when we talk about the team battle, you know, uh, I think everyone kind of has Lewis pegged as a one. And I think from the American standpoint, not having Corey in there uh, puts us in the race and gives us actually a chance. Well, let's not jump too far ahead. I mean, last year, us Canucks kind of dominated the inaugural World Beer Mile Classic. Side note, you still owe me a couple beers, Nick. Uh, this year, Whip Hoobly Gallagher will not be theirs, is what I understand. Corey? I'll be uh, there, but I will not be running. I had a femoral stress fracture that I've been nursing for a while. Oh, man. You know, the traditionally the best beer milers have been Canadian. I mean, just look, Jim, Lewis, uh, Corey, you know, the names are all there. Tell me about the team that's been assembled from the Great White North and just how much better will we be than every other team there? Well, I think, uh, <laughs> like, having somebody like Mount Joy, he's always ready to perform. He's done two international beer miles now and showed up and ran well. Jim Finlay since Mr. Consistency, like he's always out there running consistent, nothing rattles him. And then there's, if Phil can pull it together, that'll be an easy one, two, three, four, I think. With Kent, of course, being at the front. Of course. Now, I've, I've looked on your Facebook page. Uh, people can check it out, World Beer Mile Classic. The Brits have also assembled the team. The Aussies, you know, always have something going on. Uh, and, of course, the Americans are brutes for punishment and will always they're always willing to take a loss. Uh, what is the initial scouting looking like right now? You know, who is going to be the lock for second at this point? Uh, I guess Nick and Corey, if you have anything to contribute to it as well, uh, feel free to jump oh. in. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, probably one, two, three, four, Canada. You know, I think America is just a humble team. We're licking our wounds from last year. We've pretty much, uh, you know, are just looking to just, just happy to be in the race. I think, as far as as far as we're concerned. So, um, you know, uh, and things go well for us. We'll we'll see how you know see if we can uh, make it a little bit closer than last year. Well, I mean, last year when we were talking, you said you had a, a whole bunch of unknowns and, and, you know, things were pretty optimistic. There's there's no underdogs. There's no one to be watching for, you know, no one who, you know, if they're representing their yeah, country. There's, there's, guys put, there, there's guys putting in the work. You know, we think we're maybe a year away from having, like, a really great team. But a lot of guys that you see on our roster are kind of either really young or really old, not as old as John uh, uh, Markell, but... Uh, you know, we have some guys that this is going to be, you know, either their first or second real international competition. And a lot of them are running times uh, that are that are good, but we haven't seen them perform in a beer mile. And I, I think, as Corey will tell you, uh, you know, doing something by yourself is totally different than when you're out there and, you know, in the, in the midst of a world-class beer mile. So I think for us, it's a matter of just getting a lot of experience. And I think uh, down the road, we're going to have a very, very good team. And I think there's a couple guys, uh, you know, I think Garrett Collins, someone uh, who's going to be very good at this sport uh, in, in the future, who ran 454, but we haven't seen him do it yet in a big, big race. So we have another guy named Chris Robertson who ran 502. And uh, we have another guy who I think in a year or two might be 
someone who can be challenging Corey and Lewis as one of the top beer milers in the world if he puts his mind to it. And that's a guy named Brandon Shirk who uh, ran 503 at one of our time trials and kicked down Garrett. So we definitely do have talent. It's just a matter of putting it together in one of like the world's biggest beer miling stages. Okay, so in spirit of the Canadian Olympic track team being named this week, and I think the Americans were also this week as well too, if not late last week. Uh, you know, how far away are we from the Olympic debut of the beer mile? Uh, either one can answer this. <laughs> I, I don't think that's ever going to happen. But, you know, I, I think it's, uh, you know, this is our Olympics, uh, you know, so for, for, for beer sports. And so... Um, I think, you know, just having everyone together and having, like, the Europeans there is just going to give it a really big international feel. Uh, the Brits are definitely making it interesting. They, they come from uh, – this is their first real beer mile. They come from doing Chunder Miles, which is, uh, a, in, in some ways, a totally different event than the beer mile. It's a 20-ounce pint. they figuring out it's easier. They, they, yeah, I think they came in with the bias that the 12 ounces was easier, but I think uh, – I think they're slowly learning that it's not, I, I would say. so. Um, but I think in a couple of years, I think the Brits are going to, you know, if they choose to put their attention into this, um, they, they, they have the talent there to do it. Uh, they're kind of, their team is led by Chris Parr, who has the Chunder Mile record, uh, which is 507, which is, I think, an incredible feat. But there are some things that, uh, you know, make the Chunder Mile unique. There's really no carbonation uh, involved, and you can also puke. So uh, and Chris drink out of cups. puked in his race. And you can drink out of cups, which uh, even – even I'm not a great chugger, uh, but I can chug out of a cup pretty well too. So, like, it's, uh, it's, it's just a different beast. It's more volume, um, and you, but you can also release that tension. So they, they flatten the beer overnight. And so I think there will always be a debate on what's better, the Chunder Mile or the Beer Mile, you know, with uh, the bias being whatever you started off with. What is the beer situation over there? Uh, you know, do you know, are some of the Canadian guys uh, taking in their own beer or, you know, are, are they going to be drinking, you know, uh, UK beers or, or does anyone know? Uh, Corey, Nick? I think Kent and Phil are going to be bringing their own, maybe Jim. And the rest of them, it's kind of whatever's possible over there. Okay. Yeah, and I think that was, that was a big sticking issue with the Brits because there's only it's really hard to get the 355 milliliter, which is the standard Kingston size, uh, in a twist off. And so, you know, they were they were trying to push the, for a chunder. Uh, unfortunately, we just we you know we can't insure the chunder mile is just kind of an uninsurable thing, and uh, which is. Uh, you know, there are risks associated with putting on a beer mile, especially if you're an insurance company, and that's a little bit too much for a lot of them. So, uh, so I think they were hoping that we would cave and, um, you know, say, okay, we're just going to do a chunder mile because there's no 355 milliliters in England, but there are, and there there's choices over there. And uh, so, yes, I guess the short answer is uh, we're going to be using standard Kingston rules uh, and. Uh, finding like uh you know like they're they're going to try to find the best beer and we may have some of our athletes bring something over for them as well for the english and the scott okay quickly from from Corey, i know that the injury bug has kind of bitten you a lot over the the past couple years including right now how how is training going you know i when when do you expect to be back and and 
peak beer mile shape? Ooh, that could be almost springtime by the time I get back in full swing of things. I've been off for four months now with a femoral stress fracture, so it's been a long road back. Slowly getting back in the pool and just getting out to walk now without pain. So I think I took it for granted at first of what it was and kept training on it and made it pretty bad. All right, Nick. Of course, it's always a great race to take in. Where can people find the details regarding athletes, location, you know, maybe a live stream? You know, uh, how, how do we access your meet? Uh, we're still working out a way to um, either periscope that or live stream it. Um, Adam, Adam Stacy is going to be over there from Tracky, and mm. so he's helping us with some of the filming. Uh, we're, we're piecing together an international crew, um, so we'll have an, an English cameraman over there as well as uh, Charlie Blanche's, uh, who's one of the Australian Beer Miles personal filmmaker, helping us out. So um, worst cases, we'll periscope it, um, but we may have some other options that are on the table where we can tell you where to watch, but we're, we're working through all those details. All right, best of luck to... Uh... To the American team, of course, but uh, also go Canada, and uh, and I'll be super excited to watch this in in less than a month. Well, we're just uh, we're less than three weeks now, so uh, a lot of a lot of guys are going to be uh, you know getting on their flights very soon. So we're we're real excited about that. So all right, th- th- thanks yeah. to both of you guys for for being on the show today. All right, thanks, thanks guys for having us. With the announcement of Canada's Olympics athletics team, it brought some great moments to see some great athletes realize dreams that they worked so hard for. To which I say, congratulations. Very exciting stuff. I look forward to watching you guys in Rio. Unfortunately, in that same breath, there are some surprises of another nature. The following is an open letter to the National Team Selection Committee. Dear National Team Selection Committee, Respectfully, I disagree with your decision to leave some athletes who hit the Olympic standard off the team heading to Rio next month. Yes, I understand more people with medals and more athletes in the final is what we all want to see, but I can't help but think that the selections made were a bit short-sighted. Not only will less people going to Rio make that mathematically difficult, I would argue that it's making it even more difficult for that to happen at the 2020 Games. Now, if you will, I'd like you to take a look at someone like Mohamed. He's an inspiration for Canadian distance runners coast to coast to coast. He was within a step of going sub-13 in the 5,000 this season, and I'm sure we all saw that kick on the way to him winning that national title this year. But taking a look back at the last Olympics, yes, he was there in London, finishing a humble 19th though, not really fulfilling some's definition of a success. With that being said, he has an Olympics under his belt now, and I bet he has an even clearer picture of what it'll take to bring home the hardware, all because he made standard last time and was on that national team. The same can really be said for Melissa Bishop, who has really exploded in the last couple of seasons to the point where she won't be the same person who went out in the rounds. Maybe this is just my opinion, but thank goodness she has some Olympic experience going into these games. Now, I completely understand You don't want to fund anyone's feel-good trip, but seriously, you've seen the sacrifices that these athletes make for their sport. I have a hard time believing that they will be taking this opportunity anything but seriously. You and I, we want the same thing. More medals, more finals, but I'm proposing that we invest in our up-and-coming athletes. They may not have the potential to medal this time around, but let's mentally prepare our athletes so that they'll be ready 
if not this time around, by the next World Championships, and maybe at the subsequent Olympics. Respectfully, a fan of the sport. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to my guests this week, Corey, Nick, and Mike. Also, big thanks to Tracky for their ongoing support. If you want to find us online, we're on Twitter, at the Terminal Mile. We're also on Stitcher, iTunes, and TuneIn, pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. And don't forget, tracky.ca as well. Thanks again for listening. This has been the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. Mm-hmm.